welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Law, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value podcast. Let's jump into this next episode. What is going on, everybody? My name is Kyle Krieger, and it is the final podcast uh, of the Value as Value podcast for 2020. Joined by my guy, Wilkie V. Law the third. Will, what's good? What's good, man? Excited to, to. Hey, everybody. Just want to take a quick break from this episode of the Value Adds Value podcast to just say thank you um, for listening and for all the support. And if you've listened this far, we would love it if you could hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, leave a review, or jump over and find us on Instagram at value adds value at its.will.law.iii and at its Kyle Krieger. Um, we would love to connect with you there, learn more about you and how we can help you in your teaching craft and your teaching practice. So find us on Instagram, like and subscribe, and also take a second to find us on YouTube at value adds value as well. So just a way for us to connect with you, serve you better, and help you in this profession that we all love. So thank you, and we'll get back to the episode. To be seeing the turnover of another year. I'll say it that way. I I don't want to make people think that I'm trying to run out of 2020. Um, But, you know, just excited to be, to still be here amongst the land of the living, doing what we love to do, um, and having opportunities to make a difference. Mm. So I love that. mm. And I was... Um, and I, in the intro, I intentionally tried to do it just slightly different than I normally would. I was about to comment on that. I know. I, I, I was... My, my wife sits above me. I'm in the basement and she's in her office right above me. So she's heard me say the intro a bunch of times. So earlier this week, her new shtick is to pretend to be, uh, the intro to our podcast. Um, she plays me and then plays Will actually quite, quite adeptly. It, it, it was very spot on. I mean, like she, again, but they, as they say, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. So I'll take it um, uh, mm-hmm. for her to be able to hear it and connect with it that way. Uh, that means it stays with us. So that means we're doing something good. We want it to be yeah, something that stays could, in people's heads. So. Yeah, now she could just listen to the whole thing, man. We'd be we'd be flying with it. You so. know, it's funny because I, I we tease my daughter all the time because she's... Um, She's a stage manager uh, for her for her theater group um, at Carver, and so she has to literally learn the entire play. And so the last couple of weeks, she's been coming home singing um, "Step Into the Bad Side." And so um, that's one of those songs that once you hear it from the movie Dreamgirls, you know, once you hear it and you connect it with the movie, and it's like. Now, I mean, the other day I was driving in the car and I was like, step into the bad side. I was like, why am I singing that song? You know, I get home and my wife was like, that song has been stuck in my head all day long. You know, and it, it, it just goes to show that when something's catchy, you know, it 
it, it stays with you. And that's where we wanted to be with the podcast that it's so catchy that um, it stays with our people. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So what we want to do is just talk a little bit about our 2020 in terms of the podcast. We want to maybe talk just a little bit about our teaching experience too. We've talked so much about that through the course of the year that we, you know, don't necessarily need to harp on that, but let's just start with an overall, the year, the year 2020 that was for you, overall thoughts. You know, we were just talking before we got on that. Um, they say time flies when you're having fun. I saying it's hard to think of 2020 as being a year of fun, but you know, I think learning is fun. And 2020 presented so many new challenges for me um, as an educator, as a father, as a husband, um, as a human being, as far as um, having to learn, having to adapt, having to gain new insight, new perspectives, new, you know, enhanced skills, pick up new skills. I mean, there was so much that 2020 threw at us that to me, if I had to, and I know this is gonna sound crazy and some of our listeners are probably gonna be, wanna comment and be like, no, this can't be true. But I can honestly say 2020 has been fun. It's been fun. You know, it you know, it was fun to watch, you know, the epic election that just took place. You know, both both you and I share um a love to to watch government. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say a love for government, uh, but a love to watch government and to kind of kind of almost critique it to what it's supposed to be, to standard. Um, and so this was a great year in that, you know, we got to see, you know, the good and the worst of people across the board. And, you know, with everything that went on and transpired, you know, with the social, you know, the so- social, social justice, injustice, um, with the, um, you know, of course the pandemic and everything, Even with all of that, I can still say that there were opportunities that were created to where, and I'm speaking personally, where I was able to find some benefit or some type of tool needed that can help me throughout the rest of my life all in 2020. You know, it's like basic training for life. You know, Darwin, Darwin, basic, basic training, survival of the fittest almost. So, yeah. And, and you know, we both heard that video from E.T. right at the start of the pandemic when things were starting to lock down. And he said, if you don't take this opportunity to get better, then you've wasted it. And have we done as well with the podcast as I had hoped? No um have we done as well with social media as i would hope no but like in terms of the year that was we had so many opportunities that we would not have had otherwise Mm -hmm. like you and i both talked about how you know not many people get the chance when they move into a house with their significant other to spend you know nine straight months there together almost inseparable 
you know, and that's, to, that, that's crash course for you there, buddy. Dude, you know, and to be able to have fun and, and do that together. And, you know, I still got to do some of the normal things that I wanted to do, you know, mm -hmm. between cabin week with Brittany's family and, you know, watching our nieces and nephews get bigger and start to, especially the girls now are really starting to come into their own at, you know, a year and a half. And I think, I think this year was really good for me because I have such a good support system. You know, I have, and, and that is one thing I will say for this podcast and for our social media and the work that we've done is we have a group of teachers that is close to us that we can lean on when we need something that, you know, when we are trying to figure out what's what and we're trying to get a beat on. But then I also, you know, like just having friends who have a little bit different perspective. Like I think about Ben a lot and, and Ben and I were just having a conversation the other day about how, you know, we can disagree and not take it personal because we built up such a relationship mm -hmm. to where that I know if he, I guess for me, when it comes to information and, and this is a hard part about 2020 is, you know, the informational piece is something that has been difficult, you know, sifting through and sorting through information. But I know if he's telling me something that he's put the work into to research its right. validity. So having, you know, friends like that. And, and, and I really felt like one of the things I did was I was willing to listen to perspectives outside of my own, especially when, you know, it came to that political realm. And, mm -hmm. and it's so hard. And I think for me, I, I would also agree that, and I got married this year. Like how, how could you have a bad year when you get married? Um, and everything that was in well. your wedding. So how can you, you sit right next you, to me? I mean, that was one of the best days ever. Best bud get, get married. Yeah. You know? you know, and that was such a great time, but you know, just being willing to listen. And it, and I think with this year and it brings me back to a question I asked my kids, you know, kind of at the start of the school year, I'm like, how, how difficult do you think it is for our school, our school leaders to make decisions that impact every kid in our school and our kid, you know, our school, you know, K to eight is maybe got, I don't know, six or 700 kids total. And, and they said, it's gotta be incredibly complicated <laughs> because you're taking into account what's best for, you know, several hundred students and dozens of teachers and hundreds of families and and that was really and I tried to change that to okay so now for our county how much more difficult do you think it is when you're talking about our county and how much more difficult for the state and and federal government so I think this year for me I I've really felt like I've I've done a better job I won't say I did a great job I won't say I went out and I searched for information that was contrarian to my personal opinions, but I tried to see things from other people's perspectives. And it's just like, you know, the example I look at is restaurants, you know, restaurants around here are closed for indoor dining again. 
you know, and you look at it and on one hand you understand like, okay, they're not trying to get a bunch of people congregated into a small space. But on the other hand, you try to have empathy for the people whose livelihoods are being affected. And I just think for me, I love that word you use adapting in, in 2020. And one thing I feel like I also did well was I set realistic expectations, especially when it came to my classroom. I didn't try to, I, I, I took things in small chunks, which you having known me seven years now know that that's not generally the mode that I go. <laughs> I generally am swing, you know, swinging for the fences every time. So I think I've done a good job of mitigating for myself and, and really prioritizing myself and saying, okay, this is how much I think I can bite off right now. Mm-hmm. And do I think I can, I now having been virtual teaching for four months, I think I can bite off a little more. I think my kids are ready to take on a, a more long-term project and I can trust them to do a little research on their own, mm-hmm. you know? So that's where I'm at. But all in all, man, 2020, I feel like has been a, a great year because I've, I mean, I, I don't know how you wouldn't say that I've grown a ton this year. I know that I've grown a ton in so many different areas of my life. And I, I think that's maybe part of it is, and you've helped me work through this, not having quote unquote happiness as your only metric of whether it was a good year. And it reminds me of our, our talks between joy, you know, the difference between happiness and joy. You know, you can do a lot of things to make yourself happy, but it's a lot tougher to bring joy into your life. And I feel like for me, I, I do have a ton of joy in my life. And I think when you, in order to see joy, and I thought about this, when you, when you sent me that text the first time, I, I really was like, <clears throat> I guess, trying to find <clears throat> those moments of pure joy. And those moments of pure joy, you can only really have them when you actually reflect on where you are, where you were in that moment. There was a lot of stuff that made me happy as a kid, but I can think of those moments that brought me joy a lot more vividly than all the happy moments. Does that make sense? It totally does. Like those moments, there are certain moments that, you know, like getting my first train set, you know, and even though my train set was a hand-me-down from my brother, the fact that it was boxed up and, and put all the tracks and all the rails and everything like it's supposed to be, like it was brand new, you know, all clean and shined up. It was mine now. You know what I mean? So it's like little things like that, that just moments of joy that's just like, it's, it's based on your position at that time and how you observe what's going on in that time. And I think that that is where um, joy and happiness are separated. Mm. Because we get happy all the time. I mean, there could be no traffic on the road 
when I go from here to work and I can get to work in, you know, six minutes. And <clears throat> that makes me happy, you know? <laughs> I think about it, you know, like between us, you know, the Brewers and the Packers and the Texans and the Rockets and the Astros. Yes. Do the Packers make me happy when they win? Yes. Does It does not bring me joy though. No. It's not, it's not the same as, we have no idea where Beckett picked this up, but he has this habit when you're FaceTiming them to say when he wants to be done, he says, mouse, mouse cut the cord, can't hear you, bye, and he hangs up. And He's heard somebody say that. He's heard somebody say that. <laughs> you know, he heard it on some show or whatever it was. Right. I mean, I think that brings me joy. You know, Merit, Brittany and I bought her this one shirt it's like a cheetah print shirt it's super soft and my sister says it's the only shirt she wears like she'll go through her dirty laundry to pick that shirt back up and you know Jules is just funny squawking screaming you know she's at that phase where she can't understand she she can't figure out that I'm not actually with her even though I'm on the phone so you know and we we just had that mo um over Thanksgiving and there's a video I'll have to post it with this, with this podcast, but she, we were at my parents and she had herself like standing up against the back of the couch and she was like pretending to hide. Like I couldn't see her. I was like laying on the couch and then all of a sudden she would just jump onto my, jump onto me and I would act scared and whatever. And then she would just back up and she would do it. And she did it, you know, she does it like 10 times in a row. Cause she, it's fun for her, you know, stuff like that brings me joy. Man, and, and you know, and that and notice the whole time you're telling the story, I can't get this smile off my face mm -hmm. while you were telling it. You had a smile on your face while you were telling it. Mm -hmm. That is the epitome of joy. That in the in in the retelling of the story, it still brings a smile to your face. Ah oh, man. Like if I talk about, hey, in 2010, the Packers won the Super Bowl and we went to one of the playoff games and it was super cool. My expression doesn't change. It doesn't change. It because that was just, it, just, it was a happy time. Yeah, yeah, you know. And I think if anything, maybe that's what we should be looking for. Um, you know, moving forward, it's just like let's capture as many moments of joy. You know, and I and I think we had talked about that even with our podcast. Maybe that's a question that we need to to go back to. I know that's one of the questions in um, the we and dot me we connect cards. Mm -hmm. um there there's a question in there about what brings you joy yeah um you know and and, and that brings me to a you know a, a, a thing for 2021 you know we're really committing to expanding outside of just teachers and really mm -hmm. talking to other people about their educational experience so we have to have questions for people you know that are outside of the teaching realm we can't necessarily just ask the the questions based on teaching we have to have some other questions but i think man you ask you bring someone on a podcast and you ask them to share a moment of joy <sighs> like how can't that set you up for a great conversation again just the idea of thinking of it made me smile you know and i think that is where you know in, in where we are one thing that 2020 has definitely taught me is the ability to seek out those things that are positive, to seek out those things that are gonna make me feel good. Because um, at a time when everything is kind of, it's, it's, 
You know what I mean? You're, you're, I mean, it was like all 2020, <clears throat> you were standing at a full count every time you got up to bat. And you've been just following pitches off the entire year? Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that's what it feels like. Like you're just getting up to bat and it's just like <sighs> three, two. And you're, 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 you're contacting, but you hear the umps. Yeah, foul. Like, okay, okay, okay. But I'm not out. You know, I'm not out. So and you and you and you, I mean, even even just maybe not even making it. A, I feel like we've just lived lived all of 2020 with two strikes. And and you look at the strikes, and it was a. It feels like the strike was a pitch that sailed over your head to the backstop, mm-hmm. and one that bounced ten feet in front of home plate. But we're we're you know we have those two strikes, but. I mean, that's a great analogy of just, you know, I, I love sports analogies, <laughs> but I mean, you know, with two strikes, you're not looking to hit home runs, right? You're looking to fight off as many pitches as you can until that pitcher makes a mistake. Mm-hmm. And when the pitcher makes that mistake, you capitalize and maybe you hit a home run, but maybe you just hit a sack fly. Maybe you got, you know, you've got run a runner on third and all you need is that sack fly. Right. Or you got a runner on second and all you need to do is make contact to make sure that your runner gets the third for the next guy. Right. And which again, you, you, you kept saying making a sacrifice fly, make a sacrifice fly. And if 2020 did anything else, it taught you to look at, to, to, to kind of be more humane and you're dealing with other people. Uh, you know, I know that, you know, thinking about in education and in, in, in the classroom, I felt like I was a little bit far advanced than most other people. Um, and to be able to offer assistance about even simple things as creating a CV, CSV file in order to import and export your grades from one, pro, you know, one platform to the other you know, being able to share insight of how you can create Google Slides, make them worksheets so the kids can't change and manipulate the work that you have, they can only put in their answers. You know, being able to find new ways in the platform in order to do assessments that are not just A, B, C, or D. Like there was so much that I shared. And in that sharing with other people, it kind of gave, it kind of encourages encourages me to say, you know, hey, you know, it's bigger than you. Mm. I mean, if there's one thing that, but, you know, that that part of being bigger, but there's, and, and I'm not saying this is wrong, but there's a lot of people in this world right now that are having, you know, that are just trying to look right within them. Like they're, 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 trying so hard to just take care of what they've got directly in front of them that I can understand how it's tough for people to see the humanity in others because they're trying just to survive, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you could apply that to, to teachers, you know, it's, it's, it's a year where, I mean, I think the year, will be defined by, you know, situations where there was never really a great option. There was never really an option to make everyone happy. There was never an option to just make, 
you you didn't have an option that would all of a sudden make the pandemic go away. You didn't have an option that was all of a sudden going to solve our problems of racial injustice and social injustice. There was not an option that was going to all of a sudden make our political systems work as they were designed to. Right. And, you know, for us, there was never going to be a simple option to teach our kids and keep our kids and our staff and our family safe. So it, it just feels like on a, on a, on a macro level, we just have such a hard time seeing that there's more out there than we can see. Mm -hmm. And that's, but that's where, that's that, you know, thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I think that's the greatest accomplishment of self-actualization is that when you realize that it's not just yourself, that things in your life, things that, that occur, that happen, really true self-actualization in my mind is the ability to see your role, your position within this bigger piece. And when you see your position within this bigger piece, you realize just how small you are. You know, how ant-like we really are. And in that, you realize that I can only make ant-like decisions that are going to make ant-like improvements. But if everybody did that, then as a colony, we would thrive. Well, and just, you know, the perspective of, I like listening to astronauts. Oh, yeah. Or a person like Neil deGrasse Tyson that is so eloquent at articulating just how small we actually are when it comes to the greater universe. And, you know, how easily, how easily it could all come crashing down. Mm-hmm and how delicate it actually is it's a i mean like it's a it's a miracle you know and and i think back to something like you know gary v talking about there was a 400 trillion to one chance that you and i both became people in in our in our constitution that we are and to appreciate that but even just getting man i just I think the strangest, not the strangest thing that happened this year, but the maybe kind of the most gratifying is, man, I can, I felt like this year I heard so many people's voices in my head that were positive, you know, the, and we're going to talk about, you know, here in a second, our favorite episodes from the year and our favorite moments. But like, I just hear Casey Bethel in my head and I hear Eric and, and, I hear Tasha and I hear all those people from Teacher Heart Out and all the people, you know, the the Laurens and the Dalians and the Vanessas and the Aces of the world. And I think maybe I'm making a stretch, but I mean, we've been pouring into ourselves 285 episodes over the last four years to be prepared for this. Because it gives us perspective. You know, and I, I think that is the, 
if and one that's, that's you know I'm a, you know I'm a, I have a mentee this year, and that's one thing I try to stress with my mentee is it's all about perspectives, and it's all about gaining perspectives, and the more perspectives you gain, not saying that I'm listening to you with the sole intent changing my mind. That's where a lot of people lose arguments is that I try to have a conversation with you to change or sway your mind. I don't have a conversation with you for you to truly understand my perspective. I want you to gain perspective from me. Not saying it has to change your mind, not saying it has to change your practice, but you have to understand where I'm sitting and what I see. And, you know, we talked about this in our very first um, trip to, to New Mexico at the University of New Mexico about that relativity, theory of relativity as it relates to mentoring. That while you're on the train, things are just flying by, you know, you're just sitting there chilling and you're just seeing things. But if I'm next to the train, everything is standing still and you're moving. So I can, you know, and I, I watched this uh, on you on Twitter. I follow um, this group called Cinematography. So they kind of break down some of the greatest um, cinematographic uh, feats of our, of our you know, movie, movie life. And when they talk about the, the unhung, unsung hero in movie industry are the camera guys. And they show these camera guys trying to gain this perspective that while they're sitting there filming, we're watching it and it looks like he's just going and it looks like, how are they able to do this? Do they just have a camera strap? But no, it's someone strapped in behind the camera that's doing the exact same thing that this stunt double is doing, capturing this moment, holding it steady and going, going all the way out to the end in order to give us that perspective. So he's experiencing in real life what he's portraying to us on the screen. Even they're, if they're racing a car, they show one where the guy was in front of the car, like basically where the engine would be. The car is fake, obviously. They green screen it in. And he's sitting there filming. And when the car swings off to the side and the guy falls out, he clicks a button and his seats rotate so that he can continue to follow that person from the perspective of where the car is going and where they're going. Love stuff like that. But think about when you have a great mentor-mentee relationship. Your job is to be that camera guy. Your job is to be that person right there and to find as many people in your life because regardless of what we think, everybody's watching our life, especially now today. Everybody's watching our, there's someone watching your, watching every post that you make, every, every story that you tell, there's someone watching it and they're critiquing it. And even though they may be silently doing it, they're still trying to gain a perspective. Sometimes a perspective of who you are, others, a perspective of how what you're saying can relate to me. Or trying to find a perspective of who they are. Exactly. And I was just the whole time you were thinking that, I, I, I'm saying to myself, man, can you find a different perspective without other people? Oh. Mm hmm I, mm. I, I, I would say no. I mean, and, and it doesn't need to be people directly, you know, like that you're having a conversation with. 
Right. But that person you're following on Twitter, that person you follow on Instagram, that that person you watch for your news broadcast or whatever it is, all of those people are contributing to your broader perspective. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we harp on this and our, our country harps on this, that a lot of people are in a, in a circle, in a loop that only feeds them their perspective. Mm -hmm. But I think for us, and this is just coming back to us because we're talking about our year, we have so many people that bring us so many different perspectives. And, you know, we were going to talk about our favorite episodes and, and I, I love talking to Gary Gray. I love talking to him because he has a perspective and experience that is so vastly different than anyone else I've ever met. Mm -hmm. And, you know, talking with Ace about the experience of, you know, a teacher who is non-binary or, talking to Jed Derryberry, who's the experience of being uh, a gay man in the South and what he's gone through or, or whoever. And I, I think that perspective piece is, is huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, cause we, you know, we're, we get our perspective from other people. And, 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 and it's important because again, it's, it's like different vantage points. Everybody's seeing the exact same thing, but everybody has a different vantage point. So there's something to be gleaned from each vantage point that's presented. You know, going back to the movies, movie bit, you know, the movie vantage point, where literally the entire movie is just chronicling everybody's, everybody's view of the same incident. So you think about that. If you collect, think about just in your average pre, pre-pandemic, your average everyday going into your school. Imagine if there was a story told from every kid that comes into your classroom's perspective. If every, much, every, every kid had a GoPro. And, they, and you were able to download this information instantly. Think about how much better you would be able to serve each one of those students knowing the events that led up to each one of those individuals coming to your classroom. Mm, that's amazing. That's an amazing way to think about it. Um, you know, and, and I'm just thinking of, you know, when it comes to perspective, a movie that stands out to me is Free Solo. Mm. You know, like the perspective on that movie and stuff like that. Uh, all right. Well, before we get too, too much farther down the rabbit hole, let's just talk a little bit uh, about end of, end of year stats. So we had um, almost 20,000 downloads this year, which is pretty good. Not our best year, but it was definitely an uptick. From 2019, we did 65 episodes and we had 25 guests, which is good. Um, we did not have as many guests this year because most of the guests guests we had, we broke up the episode into two parts, uh, which was really good. So, and crazy to think, um, you know, by February at the latest, we're gonna have we're gonna hit the 300 episode mark. Hmm. So, um, it's a milestone. we, we will end the year on episode. So let's see this next one will be two eighty. So, I mean, this will be two eighty seven. So maybe well, even South by the end of January. That's the highway that takes us from, from Southeast Texas to, uh, far West Texas, Amarillo. 
287. You remember, remember we were, because I had to stop and take, a, I, we, I took a picture of it because a buddy of mine wrote a song going south on 287. Yeah, that was crazy. I'm going to have but, to reach out to him. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I mean, I, we did good, but what what were some of the, let's just start with, what were some of the themes that stood out to you from this year, just thinking back? And and we 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 got together this morning. This is kind of coming off the top of our head. We didn't do a ton of preparation for this, <laughs> but you know, what are what are the themes you're you know that really have stood out to you this year? Um throughout our podcast? Or yeah, I mean let's let's just kind of I, I think it, it um <sighs> I think the social emotional piece um, really stands out. The social justice piece. Um, I went back and listened to the episode on um, that um, we released after uh, George Floyd uh, was murdered on TV. Um, you know that that was very therapeutic. Um, um, I think the whole umbrella of digital learning, uh, I think, you know, because we, we've said it, I think you started saying it, that just because they're digital natives doesn't mean they're digital learners. And we've seen that, you know, in, in the flesh. Um, and I think relationships, like that, those are the overarching things that kind of sum up, like, what I gained from the podcast experience is um, are those, you know, social emotion and social justice, the relationships and digital learning. You know, for me, I, I would second those, especially um, the social, the social justice piece, I think is one that really stands out for me because I, I mean, I've only really been aware of it for a few years. I've only really been aware of it. Um, and I've had, you know, when I moved to Houston, I had friends that were black. I taught with people that were black and Hispanic and every other, you know, culture besides white. But it wasn't really until you and I got close that that the things that happened to people of color really came into perspective for me because I could picture someone who I cared about in the situation. And, and for me, creating that space, even just the times that I let you talk and the guests we've had on to talk about it from their perspective really helps me to, you know, adjust my perspective and to see things differently and to reexamine you know, a lot of the things that I was taught, you know, for me this year, thinking about the question of would I, would my experience be better served in a primarily white school rather than a school with a lot of students of color? I have to ask myself, you know, why, why in these schools that are predominantly kids of color, are there so many white teachers? You know, and, and for me, the question that I'm and the theme that I, I really am asking myself is, you know, that, that question of where is my experience best served? 
because I have seen, especially from my hometown, some of the worst behavior of my life. I have seen grown adults acting like children. And it brings to mind, like, if, if people who have a perspective of what people of color are really like don't go out to these communities that don't have any people of color, how will they ever learn? How will they ever see? And, and I could probably never share the experience of what it's like to be a person of color with them the way a person of color would. But I at least have an experience that most people don't have. You know, I, I think it's more than just talking about the share the experience and sharing the experience. Um, I think it's about, as you said, seeing what could happen to someone you've gotten to know and what could be, you know, how that would affect you. You know what I mean? Like, you, you got to know me. We, we became close, we, we became more than friends. We developed a brotherhood, a, a camaraderie that, that far surpasses a, a classroom colleague, a school colleague. Um, and so when you think about what's going on, you know, you can automatically think about, okay, if this was Will, what I know of Will, how would, how would this make me feel? You know, how would, how would I internalize this? Yeah. You say again? Or if it was Nevea who was a kid who was being stopped or. Right, right. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That perspective. So I think it's more than just talking about, because we've done a lot of talking and sharing, sharing of the experience in this country. But there was a, there was an episode of, um, Ah, Yellowstone, Kevin Costner on on uh, on NBC, where he said, where the chief, the chief of the Indian tribe says, um, he says inequity is 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 better taught when it is experienced than when it's talked about. Because he was asking the, the congresswoman, congresswoman, how was your drive in on the reservation? And, and she was like, oh, it was great. And then she kind of gave this look like, oh, you know, not really. And he was like, yeah. So you got to see that inequity in real life. And he was like, it's better when you experience it than when someone just tells you about it. And I think that that is what America is getting now, a dose of that experience. You know, and I could go deeper and to start, you know, saying, you know, the, the, the deeper issues that's rooted in, in the fabric of America, um, which is something that, again, I think moving forward in 2021, that I'm taking on the responsibility of putting that on my shoulders, uh, because there's so many things that need to come out, that needs to be discussed, that not only points to explaining why this is happening, but also gets to the root of how we can eliminate it. You know what I mean? Like if you're getting dollar weed in your grass and you get weed killer every single time, that's great to put some weed killer on it and kill the weeds. But my question is, once you know what it is, 
and you want to keep it from coming in, what do I need to do on a prevention level so that I don't have to use the weed killer anymore? You know what I mean? How do I build up my grass? How do I build up my soil so that it's, a, it's an environment that's not conducive to your growth? And I think that that's the conversation that we're not having in the United States that we need to start having in order to really kind of move the needle on the whole social justice piece. So again, um, but I think that, like I said, again, but I think that's where we are trying to go with the podcast is bringing in other stakeholders who, you know, who can speak to um, this school to prison pipeline. You know, one of my wife's uncles, he's a, he, he's, he's a retired warden from at the prison. And you know, to get him in and talk to him about the stories of some of the inmates that come in and, and what failed them within our education system, because regardless of what we wanna believe, it is our education system that will fail a person or a child that will create an inadequate adult that will lead them to prison. It is education because every kid in America has to come up through that strand. So something broke there that made the child, I mean, you could say, oh, well, it wasn't education. It was the fact that they lost both their parents. Then who didn't pick up the ball? You know what I mean? Who didn't pick up the ball? And that, you know, that runs deeper into, you know, our, um, our um, social welfare systems, um, our foster care system that, 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 that takes care of these kids, the process of doing it, you know, these slum foster parents that you have that do it just for the check, you know, and, and the organizations that put them there just so they can get the check and the placement box checked. You know what I mean? There, there's so many issues that we have to diagnose in order to be able to move forward as, 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 a, as a humane group of individuals. And again, I believe COVID has taught us that right now we need that interdependence more than ever. Mm. I love that. And I think that, that really, um, goes into you know the 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 overarching theme i mean because we had really set out for 2020 to be all about building relationships and all about um those strategies and i think we went the direction that we needed to i think we adjusted and were flexible with what what we needed and to some level, we could say to ourselves, man, we should have been thinking more about our audience, but it's, but that's kind of one of the best things about having a podcast is like you said, that episode with George Floyd, where you did all the talk, like you, you need that space to, to share and to be able to process things. And we use that and we have used that. I mean, you could go back to hundreds of episodes of us talking about how we messed up and us talking about the mistakes we've made and trying to process things and going through mm -hmm. all the things that we've gone through, you know, it, it just is a difficult, um, a difficult scenario, but I was really proud of what we did this year. Right. And, but you know, I think the podcast, it was, 
we really allow for what was going on to dictate what we talked about. You know, we had tough conversations. Um, we had those conversations that, um, like, like we said, that was therapeutic. We had those conversations that were, you know, motivational. Uh, we did talk about relationships, you know, everything kind of stemmed off of that. But I think we, I'm trying to think of the word I'm looking for. I think we really went for that organic movement of what we were doing, mm -hmm. where it kind of just, this is what it morphed into because of the environment that we're in. Um, and so when you think of it like that, it's like, you can only stick to your guns for so long. You know, oh, this is what we're gonna do, this is what we're gonna do, but if you don't ever address what the conversation is in the nation, what the, what, what the conversation around the world is having, you know, the perspective of, you know, when we talk with Gary Gray, you know, and his adventures from going to Canada and being locked out of his home and having to teach from Canada and then transferring back, you know, like, yeah. All of those things, like being able to to have those experiences because of what's going on. That that was us. It's like a you know a thermometer. You got to take the temperature of what's going on in order to be able to see, you know, where you fit in it. Yeah, and I think for me, you know, we we talked a little bit. We wanted to highlight some of our favorite moments. And as we've been talking about this since, I don't know that there are there are particular moments like I loved Dana Thomas's energy. Oh my goodness. It was like a fireball going off. But I mean, the thing that stands out between Dana Thomas and Joe Beckman and Ra and Heather and Lauren and Fiona and, you know, Sarah McCarthy. And I could go on down the whole list of people we talked to this year. All of them had that Simon Sinek definition of optimism. None of them were trying to pretend that the situation wasn't what it was, mm -hmm. but all of them had a positive outlook on what we could do. And I think that really contributed. I, I, I can't deny that that contributed to my outlook on this year to be able to have conversations with teachers who were having different experiences, but the same experience, mm -hmm. you know, who were doing those things. I, I, I felt that, you know, um, and I do have a little bit of recency bias that, that, that conversation with principal raw that we just put out was just so, um, so, so fire. Yeah, but I mean to, but to have someone who brought the perspective because, and and I will say one thing about the podcast this year too. It's been so I feel like it's been so timely. I feel like the universe has been like, yep, you need to talk to this person right now, because Principal Ra talking about how, you know, there's no business or computer engineering or whatever those things in his hometown of Compton and Watts. And how they outsource all that stuff. But if they could bring that stuff in, they could build their community. And, and having 
being, I think that's maybe one of the moments that will for sure stand out to me is being able to compare Compton and Watts to my hometown of Cumberland, Wisconsin, mm -hmm. and say that even though it looks different, the experience is similar to what's happening in those communities. It really has made me think about how in education we could better serve our rural communities. Because we always talk about how we need to get great teachers to our urban areas. Right. But. And, you know, I think it's interesting that that when we, when we did talk to him and, and you asked the question, like, do you think it, and we was like, yeah, it's, it's the same. You know, it, it is, you can almost make the same argument either way. And I think there, there needs to be an exchange where instead of trying to recruit, you know, all the Midwest teachers to come to the inner city, maybe there should be some recruitment of urban teachers going into these Midwest environments to help reshape uh, and re, re, reshape the, 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 the perspective yeah. Of so many people who feel as if, um, I mean, it's crazy to think that in 2020 that we still have a segment of our society who believe that if you are not a white American, then some kind of way intellectually you are um, subpar or, you know, beneath someone else, you know. And I think it's interesting, you know, we talk about it all the time uh, in, in my school about how whenever Black History Month comes up, the first thing we start talking about is what happened here to Blacks in America. You know, we don't talk about the Blacks that were here in America 100 years before Columbus, you know, 200 years before, um, before Americans, you know, I mean, before the colonizers came over here and I don't want to use that term colonizer. The, the what did they call them? Uh, you history person. What? No. Well, Christopher Columbus and all of them came over. Yeah, colonizers is the proper term. People who okay. are coming to create new colonies. So, but before they got here, that they don't talk about the fact that there were already blacks here on this native soil of America. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know that there were that Christopher Columbus himself brought blacks with him to this new world. There were, there, were, there were captains of his ships that were not slaves. You know, there were navigators that were, that were skilled um, uh, mariners. So when you think about it, it's like we don't have those conversations with, with our students across the board. You know, like I, I'm just imagining like, in rural America, are they really highlighting Black History Month? You see what I mean? Like so. So again, there's no, there can be no appreciation beyond what it is right now. And again, we talk about imitation being the greatest form of flattery. And when you think about everything, you it, it's hard pressed right now to not see the effect of hip hop music and hip hop culture on American culture, across the board. Across the board, just about everything that happens right now, if they're gonna market it, they're gonna market it some kind of way with hip hop. And that's a cultural thing. 
And there's no denying that hip hop culture really started, it started in the African-American community. And so you're saying to me, I see the value in shaping my culture and my marketing schemes to fit where you are, but I don't want to get to know who you are. And the only reason why I'm marketing to you is because I know that that has a mass appeal, not because I really want you. And that's sad as a country. That's super sad. Yeah. You know, and so, but again, I, I'm, I am of the, of the school to believe that any great change takes a great time. You know, my old pastor used to always say, you can't turn an aircraft carrier on a dime. That when you get ready to turn an aircraft carrier, like there, to turn it around and make it go in the opposite direction, that takes time to and navigate miles. it. And miles. It's not like you're just going to go out and be like, okay, got it. No, you can't just bust a UE in the middle of the ocean like that when you're dealing with an aircraft carrier. It's now, if you're a speedboat. It's, it's not a jet ski. Right. Jet ski, speedboat, you can do that real quick. But when you're talking about an aircraft carrier that's, you know, that's miles long itself, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it, it's kind of hard to think that, yeah, I, I, I have to, and you have to be strategic because sometimes it'll feel as if you've changed, but you're still heading in the same direction. And I think that's where America have gotten. We, we got so comfortable, you know, and I, I tell my wife that all the time, I'm like, as much as I want to join the revolution right now, it's kind of almost like you got to start your own because most people forget it until something happens. Yeah. You know, that's when that's when the battle comes up again. And now, now it's time to fight. Oh, another innocent person got killed. Or, you know, oh, and, you know, and, and so... <laughs> we. That's um, for those of you that can't figure out why he's all of a sudden laughing. My my wife came down to the basement, and rather than just asking if she could reach behind me to grab the Christmas bows for a present, she knelt down and crawled behind me in a very non-stealth manner. <laughs> so, thankfully, she doesn't listen to the podcast, so she won't hear me knocking her non-stealth manner. I... My wife doesn't have the best situational or directional awareness. Um, I always tease her about that, but no, man. And, and like you said, it it's, I loved what, what Ra said, and maybe we'll kind of pinpoint it here and talk about our goals for 21. But he said, um, you'll have to help me remember. He said, you can turn around on a dime. But that doesn't mean everything is going to turn around just because you turned around. All right. So I think we can bring this thing in for a landing here, talking about goals for, for 2021. So let's just start, um, you know, what are your general goals for 21? Uh, Jerome, you know, I've, I've been really kind of trying to decide what my, goals are and I usually define my goals by word Um, and 
I, I, I can't, I, I narrowed it down to two. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and my two that I want to, two words I want to focus on are um, growth and consistency. Um, yeah. That's a, I mean, that's... I feel like those fit so close with what, what, what I want to do this year. I mean, and, and if we're talking about the podcast, you know, so we are, um, we've had, you know, over 80,000 total downloads um, of the podcast over four years, which is nothing to sneeze at. I, I'm really proud of the fact that, you know, like you said, with that consistency, you know, we, that we've done it. But mm-hmm. I, I think for me, when I look at those two words, I I would almost flip them and pair them together and put, you know, consistent consistency brings growth. I mean, cause if, if we're just talking about the podcast itself and our organization, we know the best thing we can do to grow in terms of that organization is to be consistent. Be consistent, right. With the podcast, be consistent with YouTube, be consistent with social media. And for us, you know, we are, we're really stretching ourselves and saying we want to get to 150,000 downloads in 2021. We're going to put that out into the universe because we believe that we can do it. You know, and we realize, man, that's, you know, that's not just, you know, that's like 10x growth. But there's no reason we couldn't if we are consistent and we do the things we do and, and, I, I keep the funniest thing I keep hearing in my head is you saying a year or two or whatever you said it is, it's, it's a poor dog that won't wag his own tail and it's a poor frog that won't praise his own pond. Yeah. Yeah. Words br- of my old pastor. It brings, me, it brings me to a, 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 a piece in the book, the war of art by Stephen Pressfield, where he says, um, he doesn't think of himself as Stephen Pressfield, the person he thinks of him. uh, He has his own corporation for himself. And he says this line um, as, as my own corporation, you know, I can blow smoke up my own ass and I can, I can pit myself, you know, so not thinking about it as me, you know, promoting myself. I'm not, because I think the thing we've both fought at times is that feeling of arrogance. Like, mm-hmm. why am I out here promoting myself? But I'm really not promoting myself. I'm promoting our organization and the work that we do. Right. And I think that, you know, I, I, my kids and I talk about it all the time, that there's a thin line between conceit and confidence. Um, I mean, it's a very Thin, like minute line, um, and I, I think the greatest challenge of any individual, any successful person, is learning how to tightrope that line. Um, I, I think we have to be able to be so dogged in who we are that we don't allow what other people say to knock us off our rope one way or the other, you know, because sometimes we could get, people could say things and we could be like, oh, okay, I'm going to show them. Oh, okay, so I'm going to believe my own press. 
oh, okay, so they're saying I'm blowing up, so I'm blowing up. No, if you stay on your own, this is my purpose, this is my lane, and I'm here, then it doesn't matter what people are saying because I'm staying here, and I am most confident. I am most confident when I'm being what I've known my whole life, and that's me. Mm-hmm. You know, I you know I think about it like you know, man. I, sometimes I say I wish some of my closest friends could see me in my classroom setting, uh, because then they'll see just how closely I am to who I am with them. Like they're they're the only difference may be you know maybe a little language difference. You know, when you're dealing with kids and when you're dealing with your buds, you know, but it doesn't change the fact that the principle-based living, the, the ideals that I, that, I, that I stand and I believe in doesn't change from person to person. And I think we struggle with that also. It's like, oh, you got your teacher self, then you got your, your personal self. But shouldn't they be the same? Yeah. You know, I should always want to do things that, that are in the best interest of my students, which means that I need to make sure that I'm healthy well stable in order to make sure that I can promote health, wellness, and stability to my kids. I shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't be, oh, this is me at home. I can do whatever I want to do, but at school, I got to show these superficial restraints to show that, oh yeah, you can do this too. No, if I'm falling apart over here, then I need to fix falling apart over here before I come over here and make sure that, you know, because it's going to unravel if you don't. Mm-hmm. It's you know, going to unravel. And for me, I'm looking at my vision board for the year, and and I am am really going to try to focus on that word fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And I notice I spelled fulfillment wrong on my vision board, which sucks. Hey, you're a geography teacher, not a ELA. But but it's not so much. It, it is the word, but it's the definition that we picked out for it. Mm-hmm. satisfaction and happiness as a result of fully developing one's character and abilities mm. striving to develop my character striving to develop my abilities that's that's what this year is about for me and you know as it changes you know striving and and like you said it doesn't just mean striving to develop my character and abilities as a teacher it's you know as now as a husband and as striving to develop my abilities as a podcaster and a video editor i i, I want to take the best of what I have and, and get better at it and be great. Cause you know, we were talking with, um, and this is an episode that'll air shortly after this one with our buddy, Matt Bokey. And he talked a ton about how, you know, cause he's a really, really good photographer, videographer. The content he puts together is amazing but he talked a ton about you can have the fanciest content and you can have, or you can have the fanciest editing and all of that stuff. But if the story isn't there, it don't matter. And for us, we believe not just in our story. We do believe in that, but we believe in these, you know, hundreds of stories that we've heard from educators. And it's our job to continue to share them. And a big piece of the puzzle for us this year is finding a way to share everything that we've got backlogged and share it in a way that 
allows people to hear it and grow. Mm -hmm. All right, man. Well, it is, you know, the end of 21 or 2020. Any, any final thoughts? Yeah, I just, you know, I want to, I want to lay this out for our listeners uh, as you're going out and you're getting ready to, you know, whether you create a word for the year, uh, whether you um, believe in making resolutions or you just set goals, is that in order to get to that place, there's some things that you got to do first. Um, and my, uh, my, my principal kept saying he wants teachers who know how to hit the reset button every day. And he kept saying, hit the reset button, hit the reset button. But when we see reset, we just see pressing a button and you get a do-over. And when I saw this, I thought about this little acronym, ROAR, 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 R-O-A-R. Who roars? Well, usually when you think about a roar, you think about a lion, right? Uh, You know, E.T. talks about the lion and the gazelle, you know, how their perspectives are different, even though you know, the gazelle knows to run for my life. And the lion also is running for his life because he knows and he sees nutrition. The gazelle sees the next day. You know what I mean? So uh, when you think of roaring, that's what comes to most people's mind. Like, I don't think of a bear. Usually if I think of a bear, I think of a growl. I don't think of a roar. If I think of a dog, I think of a bark. If I think of a cat, I think of a purr or a meow. But when I think of roaring i think about the lion and so the r the first r is to reflect truly reflect on this year write down some of the pros some of the cons um write down the celebrations those moments of joy write down those moments of pain of sadness of failure of defeat and then Next, look for opportunities of growth. That's the O, opportunities for growth. Where could I have gotten better to do this better? Or what could I have done better to do this better? And next is to assess your own abilities. Assess your own abilities. That means really look and say, did I have the capacity to take this on at the time that it had that it came about? Or is there something else I need to add to it? That assess, that true assessment, just like we assess our kids to see if they gained anything, we have to assess ourselves like that. You know, I love, ET always says, you know, you should put your own self on punishment. You know, you should tell yourself no more cookies. You should tell yourself, I'm taking your phone away. Uh, And so be honest about your assessment of where you are as it relates to those opportunities for growth. Then, hit the reset button. You don't want to hit the reset button with the same mindset because then you're the same person trying to trying, trying to do that same thing over again without really shifting your mindset about it, without gaining any new insight. When I first started playing 2K uh, on a PS4 this summer, I, I was a little rusty. But instead of just playing game after game after game, I played one game and was like, yeah, this ain't it. So before I hit the reset button, 
I went back to the manual. I went back into practice mode. I went back to learn how to pass on the run, how to dunk, how to do these things, how to fake, how to, you know, do all these things. I, I looked at all those things that I knew that I should have been able to do in the game that would have given me an opportunity to do better. And when I came back, once I hit reset then, I was able to dial in and be successful. And so like I got my chops back now. But at the same time, if I would have just hit reset and played over and over again, eventually I would have gotten there. But it would have been more trial and error, trial and error, trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. Whereas if I just focus on, reflect on where, where what was I missing? I had a wide open dunk and I couldn't even lay it up because I didn't know what to do. I passed it backwards instead of taking a shot. You know what I mean? So it's like little things like that will help you. So if I can encourage anybody as you're moving into 2021, roar, make a big noise, reflect, seek out those opportunities for growth, assess your abilities, and then hit the reset button and go be successful, be great, and fill this world with nothing but the joy that you can bring. What's good, fam? Um, it is actually January 1st. I anticipated we would make this the last episode of 2020, but it is indeed the first episode of 2021. So thank you so much for following us on the podcast, for following us on social media, and for just being a part of this uh, profession, first off. Um, and if you're a non-teacher, man, I feel bad that we haven't been talking to you, but we we love this show. We love this community. We love this profession. So this year, we just kind of wanted to let you know that we're, we're not necessarily taking it in a different direction, but just expanding to other stakeholders in education. And the best thing about that is everyone is a stakeholder. Kids, parents, teachers, politicians, social workers, anybody who's got a vested interest in education being amazing for our kids, we want to talk to them. And if there are things that you want to hear us talk about, there are questions you have, if there are people you want us to try to interview, please let us know. Please reach out. Visit theledproject.com. Find us on social media at Value Adds Value. Uh, but more importantly, you know, with, with the new year rolling over, um, just please maintain your hope and your optimism and know that no matter what, you're doing incredible work for kids and making a difference. So we love you. Happy 2021. And we can't wait to show you what's next.